It's 7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, 12 midnight in New South Wales, and in Malaysia, it's 1953. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Oh, my. I already got... Okay, now. Everything is working. Everything seems to be all right. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for joining in. It is a Saturday night, and we got lots to talk about. We have a very big announcement coming up in just a few minutes. I don't I don't want to, you know, like, push the big announcements towards the end of the show and then make you wait. I just put it up front. So we'll do that in just a second. Um, we have lots to talk about. As the thumbnail for the show says, UFOs, Old Hollywood, and, of course, Peter Pan. Luna Amethyst, you are, like, the number one most dedicated fan. A huge round of applause for you. You're here every stream. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, really, really appreciate you being here. Nah, that's for you. Oh, my. Okay, so we are a triple casting, as always, to Facebook. I'm not wearing pants is the page. To YouTube, the Jay Sheldon channel over there where we have 350-something subscribers. Subscribe on YouTube, would you? You try and be here. Thank you, Luna. Appreciate that. I really do. I really, really do. Uh, and also, uh, twitch.tv. Jay Sheldon, no pants is where you'll find us on twitch.tv. Uh, we want to thank streambeats.com for the music. They supply copyright, strike-free music. Misha, greetings to you. Hey, welcome in. Good to see you here, Misha. All right. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Big announcement coming up. I just said a little while ago. Big announcement in just a few minutes. Uh, it's big to me, okay? I know. To you, it's going to be, yeah, so what? But it's okay. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so streambeats.com. They supply the music. Harris Heller, the gang at Alpha Gaming, who have moved over to YouTube, by the way. They're no longer on Twitch.tv. Uh I am thinking about doing the same thing, but I know a whole bunch of you are on Twitch, and that's where I've got a lot of my viewers. So, I I don't want to I don't want to lose you. I'm not sure I could convince you to go to YouTube or Facebook uh, if I were only there. Um, but actually, that's a part of the big announcement. I posted something on the Facebook page for I'm not wearing pants earlier today. And I, it's the only place anybody saw it until this moment. So right now, live, you are going to find out that this show is now a podcast. I know. Uh, so what? Big deal. Everybody does podcasts. There's four million podcasts. Actually, there's about a million podcasts out there. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I realized I had missed, missed part of the game. And I needed to play catch up fast. So I am now uh, a podcast. The audio of this show is turned into a podcast. I'm on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public with more to come. 404, holy crap! That is the weirdest thing, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Hello, welcome. Nice to see you, 404. It is good to have you along. The we Here's the weird thing. Because I started way back at the very first ep episode I ever did, the very first stream, which was weird at best, I was using this awful green screen, and... Um, <laughs> and but the, there's still a show there if you go to I, i'm not it can't be on twitch.tv because they delete episodes after a while it's probably on youtube i know for a fact it's on my facebook i'm not wearing pants page all the way back to episode one and this episode is episode 64 so mm, that's a lot um may start my tatiana cosplay soon oh cool i want to see pictures 
Please, please, please. I got to see pictures if you cosplay Tatiana. I think that would be so cool to cosplay Tatiana. Uh, where are you going to get the glasses? Yeah, anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so what I did was, I, in fact, what I've spent the last two and a half days doing is taking all of the uh, video shows, all the live streams that are out there, they're all there, and cutting out the audio files. I've got to do a little bit of editing because in the beginning when I do the pre-roll as I get ready to go live before the camera comes on, you know, you don't want to sit there in a podcast and listen to five minutes of music. So I'm cutting most of that out, just the last 10 seconds. Then it goes right into the show and, um, you know, doing some leveling and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, 64. This is our 64th show. Um, so I've been doing nothing but, well, I've been working, of course. I have to say that in case the boss is watching. But, um, no, I have been working at work from home. And uh, I've also been spending every other moment of my time editing the sound files from my show. So I've got, I think, is there five or seven of them so far up as podcasts? I'm starting from episode one. And so far, I've sucked out the audio and repaired 20 shows. But that's not just it. That's not all you have to do. If that were it, I would be done with all 63 episodes. Um, I have to make a new thumbnail for every episode. That's 64 audio files, 64 uploads, 64 thumbnails, because for podcasts, it's like a uh, Instagram post. They're square. Uh, I can't do a square. How do I do a square? They're square. Anyway, you know, it's, it's, it's landscape. 16 by 9 or whatever for um for youtube facebook can't really do thumbnails on twitch.tv which also is another reason it sucks but anyway for a podcast like instagram the the thumbnails for the show are square so i can't just squish all my old thumbnails yeah <laughs> Um, I've got to make new ones. So that's another thing I've been doing for every show is to make a new thumbnail, which is the biggest thing slowing the process down. So you'll find us again. Uh, please, if you can, you don't, I mean, if you listen, that's great. It would be great to get the downloads and the listens because the numbers matter. And I can also monetize over there. Look, I do ask you occasionally to click this button or up above here it says support the show and make a donation i understand we are living in tough times and not a lot of people have the extra cash so if you can great thank you i appreciate it if you can't i totally understand however one way you can help me without it costing you any real money is to go over to itunes apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, radio public any of the other podcast places and subscribe and follow on uh, on those places and listen to the show even if you just run it you're playing it in the background i was actually doing that today to make sure everything was working so i think there are five six or seven of them so far from the very first show and it's really weird listening back to uh, to all those old old episodes some of the first few i did when honestly i had no idea what i was doing i kind of almost still don't but I've gotten a little better at it. But uh, one thing I realized, especially when we get into mm, some of the later shows, some of the last half of all 64 episodes, is when I do the kind of Facebook review and look at stuff that we've done, some of it's visual. So that doesn't always translate to a podcast exactly. Like playing slot machines really doesn't translate to a podcast. But yeah, bear with it. There's a skip button. So anyway... In listening back to episodes, I actually heard one where 404U had uh, signed in and signed up. I think it was one of the first ones you ever uh, caught, one of the first streams. And I, I was thinking back about all the folks. We got a lot of subscriptions on Twitch.tv and Facebook. I've got three or 400 uh, followers, three or 400 followers on YouTube, a hundred and something on, uh, on Twitch.tv, which for a little stream like this is not bad. Um, but a lot of the old folks who signed up 
have kind of disappeared. I haven't seen a lot of them in a while. And 404, you were one person I thought of today because you were in there a long time. You had another nickname on Twitch before. Oh, okay. Um, but there's there's quite a few of those old time folks way back. I mean, way back in months ago, but still uh, back when we first started the show who uh, we haven't seen in a while. I hope you will all come back one of these days because I miss you and I miss your interactions on the show. So, um, ah, Bakemosan. Okay. Um, by the way, did you see my, let me switch over to the other camera here if I can. Mm, there we go. See my shirt tonight? Mast Rider. Yeah. It's um, Yohongo Takashi. Mast Rider. And yes, I do know this show. I bought this shirt at a, uh, a Japanese um, display thing at a mall in Thailand. It was in Bangkok or Phuket? I think Phuket. And uh, yeah, when I saw this, I love the Mast Rider. And I love that show. And so I, I had to buy it. It was damned expensive. Because, I mean, this is legit official. You know, it's not Pasamalam night market uh, ripoff third-party stuff. This is legit. In fact, this shirt is actually kind of old. I think you can see that it's not in, in the best of shape. But I refuse to give it up because I'm not going to find another one of these. And it's my, one of my favorite Masked Rider shirts. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right. So don't forget, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public. I've searched them all. I am there confirmed. So, uh, yeah, the shirt's great. Thanks, 404. Um, you can check it out and subscribe. Listen there to the podcast. Stick it on while you're doing your work or jogging or cooking dinner or whatever it is. And just let it run in the background. Uh, like like people often do with this show right now live. So <laughs> uh, we got a few things to talk about tonight and we're going to do that. And of course, also, we'll have uh, Peter Pan. We're nearing the end of Peter Pan, by the way. It has a special favorite shirt look. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Somehow you're, the, somebody's favorite shirt is like, you know, it's a little wrinkled. It's a little rough around the edges, but it's comfortable. And I love the fact that it's a Master Rider shirt. So, yeah, indeed. It's one of those favorite shirt things. <laughs> All right. Um, a couple of stories before we get into uh, the stuff in our headlines, uh, UFOs and old Hollywood. I posted this. When was 2014? Six, seven years ago? Um, as only Mr. Rainville could tell it. Um, I believe we have lost Mr. Rainville. Mr. Rainville was Mrs. Rainville's husband. I know that sounds really stupid, but back in the day, with all due respect, we knew our teachers not by their first names, uh, not by teacher. Folding a paper gun watching the stream. Okay, that sounds a little dangerous. <laughs> Can we have a Miko? Hey, Ryan! Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you for popping in here. Uh, I had a long day dealing with a Karen dad. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ryan is asking for a Miko uh, appearance. I will see. She's... Oh, man. Okay, before I get into the Mr. Rainville story... I got to do a Miko update because she is on her cycle, as you know. She went through the pre-estrus period. My house looked like a crime scene. I've told you that before. And now she moved into the estrus period, which is the part of her cycle where she wants it and is very much in favor of finding a mate, if you know what I mean. And she's all out. There's been a stray dog showed up at the gate for the last three or four days since she went into this estrus period. And um, it's at this point where the dog is ready to mate. Uh, and boy, is she ready. <laughs> it's okay, Miko. I know the feeling. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, well. No. <laughs> um <clears throat> It is very messy, actually. Yeah, it's, you know, it's part of the owning a dog. It just happens. Yes, I plan on getting her uh, uh, fixed, and we will do that right after she's through with this cycle. Um, 
But anyway, for some reason, in the last two days, she's eating me out of house and home. All of a sudden, her appetite, which she's always been really picky. She's been the pickiest eater. She will turn her nose up at something she ate before just because, yeah, I don't think so. Not today. She ate a huge breakfast, and usually it'll sit there for a while. Tony! Like the stream. Thank you, Tony Pietra. So good to see you uh, on board here. Tony uh, is um, Tony is one of our one of our Malaysian uh, film directors and a very talented guy. Uh, check out Shadow Play, which was his latest film. I happen to be in it, so I'm a little biased. But uh, if you can uh, do a search for Shadow Play, the movie directed by Tony, and uh, and you check that out. It's a lot of fun. I had a blast doing that. We've talked about it a lot here on the stream in the past. So, um, yeah, so Miko has been eating me out of house and home. She eats every... Tonight I made... Okay, we give her kibbles, but that's kind of an always there food because she's not big on it. If she's really, really hungry, then she will eat it. <laughs> Tony, Tony says, tonight we fix things. That's... Uh, yeah, one of my lines in the film. <laughs> Shadow play. Tonight, we fix things. All right. Uh, anyway, so now, tonight, I made her, we, we make her the kibbles, and we pour the kibbles in a bowl. But every breakfast and dinner, we cook some meat, pork, chicken, beef. I know, we're spoiling her, but why not? And combine that, well, not mix it, but in the same bowl, put a bit of wet food. And... Normally, she picks through it, and eventually, maybe an hour or two later, she eats everything. I put the dish down for the last two days, and within five minutes, it's gone. Gone. Tonight, we'll fix everything. <laughs> so, yeah, she's been eating me out of house and home. She's been actually eating her food really fast. Uh, I kind of feel like I want to give her more. But I also don't want to overstuff her. So I figure, okay, what I'm giving her for her weight is a good amount. We'll stop there. So, yeah. Uh, all right. If you just joined us, don't forget our big announcement. We are uh, now our show is also a podcast. You can listen to the audio only part of the show on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. We'll be in other places too uh, soon. So check us out. Give us a subscribe and give us a listen. They're podcasts, so it's audio only, but it's a lot of fun. You can check out the show. So far, I've put up about seven of our episodes. This is my 64th live stream. Eventually, everything will be there right up to tonight's show. So check that out. Um, okay, Miko. Miko, your fan club wants to see you. I can't promise she's going to come up. And it's really up to her, but I'll try. I'll see if she can make it or not. Hang on, coffee break. Yum. All right, let's see. Is she out there? No, she's not out there. All right, so we'll uh, we'll see. I'll keep an ear out, and if she shows up, then we'll we'll grab her and stick her on the stream. All right, we got to get moving along here with some of the stuff we wanted to talk about. I saw this in a Facebook memory come up and I'd forgotten this story. It is such a classic and I, I, I just, you have to bear with me here. Um, you can read along if you want or you can just close your eyes and listen to the story, but it's funny and it's worth it. Guys, as only Mr. Rainville could tell it, guys driving around the backwoods of Pennsylvania and he sees a sign in front of a house, talking dog for sale. So he rings the bell, and the owner appears and tell him, tells him, eh, the dog's in the backyard. Well, the guy goes into the backyard because he's a nice-looking Labrador retriever sitting there. You talk? he asks. Yep, the lab replies. Well, after the guy recovers from the shock of hearing a dog talk, he said, so what's your story? The lab looks up and says, well... I discovered I could talk when I was pretty young, and I, I wanted to help the government, so I told the CIA, and in no time at all, they had me jetting from country to country, sitting in rooms with spies and world leaders, because 
No one figured a dog would be eavesdropping. I was one of their most valuable spies for eight years running. But the jetting around was really tiring me out, and I knew I wasn't getting any younger, so uh, I decided to settle down. I signed up for a job at the airport to do some undercover security, wandering near suspicious characters and listening in. I uncovered some incredible dealings and was awarded a batch of medals. I got married, had a mess of puppies, and, hey, you know, now I'm just retired. The guy is amazed. He goes back in, he asks the owner what he wants for the dog. The owner says, ten dollars. It's like, ten dollars? That dog is amazing. Why on earth are you selling him? And the owner says, because he's a bullshitter. He's never been out of the backyard. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> um, as only Mr. Rainville could tell that story. <laughs> he's never been out of the backyard. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, <laughs> yep, sounds about right, Misha. <laughs> okay. Um, do I want to do this one? If you, uh, if you, I am not going to get into the whole mask wearing debate. I'm not going to get into the vaccine debate. To me, it's somebody's private medical records and it's your own personal private medical stuff and it's nobody else's business. Whatever your decisions are, are your decisions you do you. Um, but I know that some people are, are nervous. Some people, don't, you know, is this guy vaccinated? Are they not? Are they wearing a mask? Why aren't they wearing? Should they be wearing? I found this and I loved it. Sarah uh, WXTX. I'm, I don't know who this person is. She's not a blue check marker or something. But I, I liked this a lot. It really kind of is like a, a big reality check. It's like a, a big bonk reality check when I saw this and I thought I would share it. I don't know if the guy in the car next to me has a driver's license. I don't know if the lady making my burger didn't just lick it. Guys, we're going to have to just live the best we can and the best way we know how for ourselves and hope for the best. There is no way to eliminate risk 100% without living in some dystopian nightmare. Indeed, every time you leave the house, you are taking a certain calculated risk. Um, but that one line, we're going to just have to live and hope for the best. Wow. We, uh, we are going to talk about UFOs a little bit tonight. But before we do that, I also saw this, which is not going to help my friends here in Malaysia, but it will help some of my friends listening from the U.S. And we've got quite a few uh, listeners in the U.S. Because there is a supermoon, the super flower blood moon, and it is eclipsing. It will be fully eclipsed in the U.S., so check this out. I found this article. It's from Forbes. If you want the exact times and everything, just go to Forbes.com and you can search on the site for this information because I know we have a lot of uh, stargazers out there. But yeah, there's going to be a, a full flower blood, super flower blood moon and it will eclipse in the U.S. Um, depends on where you are on the planet. Uh, within North America, the technically it is 2021's brightest, biggest, and best supermoon. Cool. And it should go red also uh, as a blood moon in North America. For the East Coast, much of the Midwest, it'll be possible to see at least some of the early stages of this five-act total lunar eclipse from everywhere else in the U.S., 
And uh, again, I don't want to get through all this stuff, but um, check it out. And you can go to Forbes.com and do a search for this, uh, this article on the blood moon, if you want to check that out. All right, what else have we got going on? Facts we just learned about old Hollywood that make us say, oh, really? Okay, see, this doesn't fit. I have to readjust this every time. Hold on. I'll get it. Bear with the boomer. You know, it's still not even going to fit because it's this giant screen. Um, Modern Hollywood is still America's dream factory, an industry dedicated. This is from Ranker.com. Dedicated to committing beautiful fiction to the silver screen. But there is no longer a curtain hiding the wizard his secret levers and knobs. In other words, the mystery's pretty much gone, the golden age of Hollywood. Uh, I'm sorry, I know some of this does not show up, but um, you're just going to have to bear with me because I'm reading it along and I'm trying to make some adjustments as we go and it's not exactly working. The, <clears throat> there you go, watch Let's move it around live on the show. I love it. The Hollywood sign used to be lit by thousands of light bulbs, and it was maintained by one guy. In the 20s, the Hollywood sign was lit by thousands of bulbs, and the guy who changed the burnt ones lived in a little cabin near the sign. How cool is that? I didn't know that. Bill Haynes was the first openly gay star and refused to participate in a lavender marriage uh, till the first uh, openly gay celebrity, Billy Haynes. In the 20s, he was a silent film star. Uh, Films like The Midnight Express, Little Annie Rooney, and Navy Blues. He was under contract with MGM and was told to marry, I mean, was told in real life to marry a woman by the studio, MGM. He refused and never acted again. A lavender marriage is uh, referred to uh, marriages that were orchestrated by old Hollywood studios to cover up an actor's true sexuality and to avoid speculation. Um, So, yeah, he said, no, not going to do it. One of the first Hollywood sex symbols was Japanese-born Sasue Hayakawa, Japanese actor born who became a major Hollywood star in the silent film period of the 1910s. He was noted for his status as a sex symbol, the most rabid fan base being Caucasian women. (laughs) Imagine that. An African-American film industry operated parallel to Hollywood during the early 20th century. I actually knew this. I'd read about this. And then in 1915, an African-American film industry was running in parallel to the Hollywood mainstream, catering to the community's segregated film uh, goers. At that point, uh, white folks and black folks could not be in the same cinema. They were separated, you know, like white-only water fountains and things. So race movies as they were called, had their own black-owned studios and popular stars. Uh, The majority of these early film reels, however, sadly have been lost or damaged today. That's too bad. Uh, The first words spoken in a film were, Wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. That was the first words spoken in a film, in the 1927 film, The Jazz Singer. Wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. Pre-code Hollywood films were more risque than anything produced after 1934. Before 1934, films in Hollywood had to be extraordinarily liberal during a period called pre-code, before laws about decency were passed. Films in that era, era would give today's R-rated movie a real run for their money. They featured nudity, homosexuality, drug use, intense violence, and more. This was pre-code movies, um, pre-1934. Wow. And 
The old-timey Hollywood accent, which I haven't heard of, was a complete invention. The accent that's heard in old American movies called the transatlantic accent was not indicative of the actual spoken accent of that era, but it was taught in boarding schools and used by actors in movies. Wow. Hey, you're right, Tony. Sesue Hayakawa needs a biopic. I, you were, man, imagine that. Ah, oh, man, that would be a great one. Love to see that. Old West lawman Wyatt Earp actually consulted on early Hollywood Westerns. I love this kind of crap. You never know this stuff. Wyatt Earp was the last surviving participant of the OK Corral shootout. Uh, he passed in 1929. He was 80 years old. He'd held many jobs throughout his career, and one of which was an enforcer at a brothel. <laughs> in his later years, he actually consulted on Hollywood Westerns and got to know various actors and directors. That is so cool. Natalie Wood's mother was not a nice stage mom. Till, uh, let's see, when Natalie Wood was seven years old, her mother tore up a butterfly in front of her to get her to cry for a scene in a World War II movie where she played an, an orphan. Oh, my God. Her mother also moved the entire family to L.A. when Natalie's child acting career gained traction. Who was Natalie Wood's mother? I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, Hollywood studios once owned movie theaters and held a monopoly over showing of their own films. Well, this I knew. This was this is an obvious one. In 1948, the Supreme Court ruled film studios could no longer own their own theaters, and it broke up their uh, ol oligopoly. There's one I haven't heard before. Before the ruling, Hollywood studios owned movie theaters. In fact, in in my hometown, uh, Torrington, Connecticut. There was the Warner Theater, and it was built and owned by the Warner Brothers exclusively for showing Warner Brothers movies. This was an old Art Deco cinema. It was so beautiful. In fact, I was in radio in Torrington at the time, and the theater had closed uh, all the beautiful paintings and woodwork, and there was a giant Art Deco chandelier in the ceiling in the middle of the, the, the cinema, Kind of a Phantom of the Opera looking thing. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous cinema. And it was just falling to pieces. The rain was getting in, leaks in the roof. Anyway, we uh, I was a small part of, of a big project that uh, saved the cinema and bought the building. And it was going to be torn down, turned into a parking lot. So um, uh, we, and I say we, I had a very small part in helping to support the project to save the Warner Theater. It is still operating to this day in Torrington, Connecticut, restored to its full beauty. And uh, if you ever are in Connecticut, you pop by Torrington, you check out the Warner Theater, you will be impressed. It was amazing. In fact, it was funny because in the lobby of the Warner, when you walk through a huge lobby, red velvet curtains and all, uh, there were paintings set into the wall. And one of them was of the Sheldon Tavern. So... I always thought that was cool. Saw the movie Sunset with James Garner, Bruce Willis as Wyatt Earp and Tom Mix, respectively. Cool. I think I, I think I saw that too. I don't recall, uh, but I think so. I believe I actually saw that. All right. So that's about old Hollywood. Let's move on to UFOs, shall we? <laughs> or uh, what is it? U, UAP now is the technically correct term the ufos who calls them uaps whatever <clears throat> i start this off by this article i found which is from the collective-evolution.com again apologies because stuff doesn't line up i'm doing my best and it still ain't working let me stretch this out a little bit i don't know if that's going to work or not no it's not okay um, a 5,000-year-old Aboriginal cave painting of the Wajina 
Wandjina, I believe is how you say it, known as the sky beings. Look at this picture. How cool is that? It's a 5,000-year-old Aboriginal painting in the cave. You see the... Look at that. These are known as the sky beings. Cave art from Australia depicts strange beings that resemble what many perceive to represent the modern-day gray aliens. They were known as Wangina, sky spirits and sky beings. That is amazing. Check that out. You want to read the whole article? It's at uh, collectiveevolution.com. Now, look, we've all seen this, right? This is some of the newest footage uh, that they've released. The, uh, the government of the U.S. has been acknowledging that unidentified aerial phenomenon, which what you and may refer to as UFOs, uh, exist. They have not said these are from extraterrestrial origin. They have simply said that we have documented them a lot. We cannot explain them. So I'm thinking, really, it comes down to a couple of possibilities. This is either a technology that the U.S. does not have and some other country does, in which case it is miles ahead of anything at all that the U.S. has. And, um, or it's not from this planet. This one particular, it's a, a newly released uh, photo, uh, a video footage, I should say, of this thing hovering over the water. It gets quite low. Leaked video from a U.S. Navy ship, a UAP, and see, there's, there's, it's not disturbing the water at all. Jeremy Corbell. There you go. See that? Right into the water with a small splash. But when it's hovering over there, there's no particular means of uh, propulsion. Here's another one that was released recently. This one you've probably seen before because it's been all over the news. They formed a task force in 2020. They're declassifying a lot of their findings. There you go. Navy said a number of reports of unauthorized and or unidentified aircrafts entering various military-controlled ranges and designated airspace in recent years. Now, why all of a sudden they've decided to start admitting, acknowledging, putting it out there uh, do we need a distraction from something? Is there something else going on? Uh, I don't know. But uh, there's been a lot lately. And the promise of even more to come out uh, about the uh, what they know about um, UFOs. So, like I said, it's either... Another country besides the U.S. has a technology that is way above and beyond. These things are able to move. They go from like 35,000 feet, which is, you know, the, the height that jets fly at, to one foot in like one second on a radar. So, scary. Uh, all right, a couple of other uh, things before we move on into... Uh, we're not going to do slots tonight. Uh, we've, we've, we've taken up a lot of time with just mumbo-jumbo crap. But that's okay. That's what we're here for, right? You're bored. You're locked down. Oh, by the way, they announced the new uh, SOPs for our MCO. I know, too many letters. But the movement control order, which we call house arrest on this show, um, has now been extended, revised. They were thinking about a total lockdown. Just shut it down. They, they didn't. But they do have stricter SOPs. 
uh, including, oh man, I want to say something, but I'm going to hold my tongue and you know why. Uh, restaurants and most retail type businesses have to close by 8 p.m. So if you're going to eat dinner and you haven't stocked up, by the way, let the panic buying begin. Um, <laughs> I'll get to you in a minute, Tony. Um, yeah, so by 8 p.m. Already, it's almost impossible because you can't dine in at restaurants. So, I mean, and I'll, I'll be honest, we don't cook at home very often. We do sometimes, but not often. Not many people do here because food outside is so cheap. Seriously, it's less expensive to go to a restaurant every night. I mean, restaurant could be a mamak, stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse me, Chinese food stalls, Malay food stalls, Indian food. Um, but it's less expensive to just eat out than cooking at home. Um, so a lot of people do, including us. But anyway, it's already difficult because you can't dine in restaurants. You have to take away and it gets so crazy busy. But they're able to stay open until, you know, whatever, 10, something like that. Now they have to close at 8. So forget eating. Mm, yeah, nice. Okay, Tony, the fact that UFOs, UAPs, are in the mainstream news now makes me want to say that Richard Dreyfus line in Close Encounters. <laughs> um, you know, I confuse the line from... What was it with, with um, Carrie Ann? They're here. But no, that was a horror film. That that was another... I love that movie. But what was the Dreyfus line from Close Encounters? I should watch... I loved that movie. That was such a cool... Close Encounters of the Third Kind was the coolest movie. I loved that when I... Again, I saw it in the cinema. That's how old I am. I should watch that again. Really good movie. Tony, you're killing me now. Tell me what the line was. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, okay, one or, one or two more funny things before we uh, before we move along. My wife just stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? And I thought to myself, that's a pretty strange way to start off a conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jan. Appreciate that. Gave me a laugh. <clears throat> uh, okay, poltergeist. Ah, poltergeist, yes. They're here. Go into the light, Carrie Ann. That woman, by the way, in poltergeist was uh, the, the, the ghost hunter that I told you, Mrs. Myers, uh, the, the actress who played that little short lady uh, was actually portraying Mrs. Myers, whom lived up the, up the road from me in Cornwall, and I used to feed her cat and dogs. We told that story a long time ago in our, I think it was our Scary Stories episode way back in the beginning. Um, yeah, Mrs. Myers, who was involved in the Amityville Horror and a bunch of other very famous uh, ghost hunting uh, so Ed and Lorraine Warren, good friends of mine, used to have them on the radio show all the time. And Mrs. Myers had lived just uh, two, three hundred clicks up the road from me. And uh, I used to feed her dog and cats. It was, it was a weird experience. Listen to that show if, if you want to check that out. Um, okay, so the Dreyfus line. I just want to believe that this is really happening. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch Close Encounters again. I've got to. It's, it's been too long. Such a great, great film. I will do that. I love going back. You know, The Goonies, things like that. Movies I haven't watched that I loved, and then watching them again. There are certain films, like my all-time favorite film on Golden Pond with Catherine Hepburn, Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda, Doug McKean. Dabney, uh, what's his face? Uh, that I watch all the time because I can never see it enough. It is my all-time favorite film on Golden Pond. But the old films like The Goonies, Poltergeist, uh, Close Encounters, I love watching those again because I, I, you don't think about them. And then 20, 30, 40 years later, 
you watch them again and they're just as amazing. Even E.T. I would love to see E.T. again. That was fun. All right, we got one more funny one before we move into Peter Pan. Wow. Look at this freaking cat. This cat weighs 33 pounds. 33 pounds. Now, I don't know what that is. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it no, or search it because I don't use Google. 33 pounds to kg. 14.96. Almost 15 kilograms. Look at the size of the... Look at this woman's head. This is her head. This is the cat. That is a fat cat. Unbelievable. They found the cat as a stray and adopted it. It was not that size when they first uh, when they first adopted the cat. But it's become that size. Yeah, it's like three cats. You're exactly right. It's the same as three cats, weight-wise. Look at the size of this thing. Unbelievable. That is a fat cat. <laughs> Incredible. All right, I'm going to close the slot window because we're just not going to do slots tonight. We don't have time. And I really do want to get to uh, to Peter Pan. We, um, just so you know, uh, we do we do books on the show. We've done that from about the third or fourth or fifth episode. And um, we... Uh, we have read The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. We did The Velveteen Rabbit. We did Alice in Wonderland. We are right now doing Peter Pan. And we're almost at the end of the Peter Pan story. These are public domain books. So, you know, they're copyright free. And uh, we've decided next we're going to do The Little Prince. That'll be coming up next after we finish Peter Pan. Um, so I read a chapter, or if it's a really long chapter, maybe half. We do about 20 minutes, half an hour of a book, chapter. And we move through in sequence till we get to the end. And you can follow along. If you want to follow along and you're listening to the podcast, you can pretty much just skip up to the last half of the show if you just want to listen to the book. Um, some people do that, by the way. They join and then they'll come in later in the stream because they know that I read the book at about the 30, 40 minute mark. In this case tonight, we'll be doing 50 minutes of Buffalo Sandwich Talk. So that's okay. That's what we do. We bring you along for the ride. And like I said, it's Saturday night after 8 o'clock. Nobody can go anywhere anyway. So who cares? Our big announcement earlier tonight in the show is that we are now a podcast uh, after the show airs. They're not all up. I'm working on it. It's a lot of work. I got to suck out the audio, do a little cleanup, a little editing at the beginning, and uh, then upload them. I got to remake all the thumbnails for the shows. We've got about seven, our first six or seven episodes already up online. You can check them out. We will eventually have all 64, including tonight's show, up as a podcast, audio only. You can listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. There will be more coming. I'm trying to get on Amazon. It's a freaking nightmare. Uh, but it will be on Amazon Podcasts also soon. So we'll be on all the hopefully favorite places. Just check us out. Search I'm Not Wearing Pants. Put that in the search bar on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You'll find us. And then by all means, please subscribe. The subscriptions are what count. And... You want to give a listen, please do. Stick it on while you're going for a jog or cooking dinner or doing something else and just have it as background noise. That's fine. It's the audio only. It's a lot of fun. And um, you'll find us there. But what really matters is the subscriptions. The listens and downloads are important too. So wherever you may be, thank you. Thank you so much if I can do a big ask and have you go and subscribe and download uh, the podcast. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public with more to come. All right. 
thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Okay, it is time to move on and move in to Peter Pan. We are at chapter 12 already, believe it or not. Um, they were just about decided to go back home from Neverland when they were getting ready to go. At the end of the last chapter, the pirates attacked. And so chapter 12 is called The Children Are Carried Off. Sorry, by the way. Miko's having an attitude. She didn't make an appearance tonight. Here we go, chapter 12. The pirate attack had been a complete surprise, a sure proof that the unscrupulous hook had conducted it improperly, for to surprise redskins fairly is beyond the wit of the white man. By all the unwritten laws of savage warfare, it is always the redskin who attacks, and with the willingness of his race, he does it just before the dawn, at which time he knows the courage of the whites to be at its lowest ebb. Boy, if this story was written today, huh? The white men have in the meantime made a rude stockade on the summit of yonder undulating ground, at the foot of which a stream runs, for it is destruction to be far too far from water. There they await the onslaught, the inexperienced one clutching their revolvers and treading on twigs, but the old hands sleeping tranquilly until just before the dawn. Through the long black night, the savage scouts wriggle snake-like among the grass without stirring a blade. The brushwood closes behind them, as silently as sand into which a mole has dived. Not a sound is to be heard, save when they give vent to a wonderful imitation of the lonely call of the coyote. The cry is answered by other braves, and some of them do it even better than the coyotes, who are not very good at all. So the chill hours wear on, and the long suspense is horribly trying to the pale face who has to live through it for the first time. But to the trained hand, these ghastly calls and still ghastlier silence are but an intimidation of how the night is marching. That this was the usual procedure was so well known to Hook that in disregard of it he cannot be excused on the plea of ignorance. The Piccaninnies, on their part, trusted implicitly to his honor, and their whole action of the night stands out in marked contrast to his. They left nothing undone that was consistent with the reputation of their tribe, with the alertness of the senses which is at once the marvel and despair of civilized peoples. They knew that the pirates were on the island from the moment one of them trod on the dry stick. And in an incredibly short space of time, the coyote cries began. Every foot of ground between the spot where Hook had landed his forces and the home under the trees was stealthily examined by braves wearing their moccasins with the heels in front. They found only one hillock with a stream at its base, so that Hook had no choice. Here he must establish himself and wait for just before the dawn. Everything being thus mapped out with almost diabolical cunning, the main body of the redskins folded their blankets around them, and in the phlegmatic manner that is to them the pearl of manhood squatted above the children's home, awaiting the cold moment when they should deal pale death. Here, dreaming though wide awake, of the exquisite tortures to which they were to put him out at, at the break of day. Those confounding savages were found by the treacherous hook. From the accounts afterwards supplied by such of the scouts as escaped the carnage, 
He does not seem even to have paused at the rising ground, though it is certain that in grey light he must have seen it. No thought of awaiting to be attacked appears from first to last to have visited his subtle mind. He would not even hold off till the night was nearly spent. On he pounded with no policy but to fail to. What could the bewildered scouts do, masters as they were of every warlike artifice, save this one, but trot helplessly after him, exposing themselves fatally to view, while they gave pathetic utterances to the coyote cry. Around the brave tiger lily were a dozen of her stoutest warriors, and they suddenly saw the perfidious pirates bearing down upon them. Fell from their eyes then the film through which they had looked at victory. No more would they torture at the stake, for them the happy hunting ground was now. They knew it, but as their father's sons, they acquitted themselves. For then they had time to gather in a phalanx that would have been hard to break had they risen quickly. But this they were forbidden to do by the traditions of their race. It is written that the noble savage must never express surprise in the presence of the white. Thus terrible as the sudden appearance of the pirates must have been to them, they remained stationary for a moment, not a muscle moving, as if the foe had come by invitation. Then, indeed, the tradition gallantly upheld. They seized their weapons, and the air was torn with the war cry. But it was now too late. It is no part of ours to describe what a massacre rather than a fight Thus perished many of the flower of the Picandy tribe. Not all unavenged did they die, for with lean wolf fell Alf Mason to disturb the Spanish main no more. And among others who bit the dust were George Scory, Charles Turley, and Alsatian Fogarty. Turley fell to the tomahawk of the terrible panther, who ultimately cut away through the pirates with Tiger Lily, and a small remnant of the tribe. To what extent Hook is to blame for his tactics on this occasion is for the historians to decide. He'd waited on the rising ground till the proper hour he and his men would probably have been butchered, and in judging him it is only fair to take this into account. What he should perhaps have done was to acquaint his opponents that he had proposed to follow a new method. On the other hand, this, as destroying the element of surprise, would have made his strategy of no avail, so that the whole question is beset with difficulties. One cannot at least withhold a reluctant admiration for the wit that had conceived such a bold scheme, and the fell genius with which it was carried out. What were his own feelings about himself at that triumphant moment? Fain would his dogs have known as, breathing heavily and wiping their cutlasses, they gathered at a discreet distance from his hook and squinted through their ferret eyes at this extraordinary man. Elation must have been in his heart, but his face didn't reflect it. Ever a dark and solitary enigma, he stood aloof from his followers in spirit as in substance. Now the night's work was not over yet, for it was not the redskins he'd come to destroy. They were but the bees to be smoked so that he should get at the honey. It was Pan he wanted, Pan and Wendy and their band but chiefly Pan. Peter was such a small boy that one tends to wonder at the man's hatred of him, 
True, he had flung Hook's arm to the crocodile, but even this, and the increased insecurity of life to which it led, owing to the crocodile's pertinacity, hardly account for a vindictiveness so relentless and malignant. The truth is that there was something about Peter which goaded the pirate captain to frenzy. It was not his courage. It was not his engaging appearance. It was not, there is no beating around the bush, for we know quite well what it was, and have got to tell. It was Peter's cockiness. This got on Hook's nerves. It made his iron claw twitch, and at night it disturbed him like an insect. While Peter lived, the tortured man felt that he was a lion in a cage, into which a sparrow had come. The question now was how to get down the trees, or how to get his dogs down. He ran his greedy eyes over them, searching for the thinnest ones. They wriggled uncomfortably for they knew he would not scruple to ram them down with poles. In the meantime, what of the boys? We've seen them at the first clang of the weapons, turned, as it were, into stone figures, open-mouthed, all appealing with outstretched arms to Peter. And we return to them as their mouths close and their arms fall to their sides. The pandemonium above has ceased almost as silently and suddenly as it arose. Passed like a fierce gust of wind, but they know that in the passing it has determined their fate. Which side had won? The pirates listened avidly at the mouth of the trees, heard the question put by every boy, and alas, they also heard Peter's answer. If the Redskins have won, he said, they will beat the Tom-Tom. It is always their sign of victory. Now Smee had found the Tom-Tom and was at that moment sitting on it. You will never hear the Tom-Tom again, he muttered, but inaudibly, of course, for strict silence had been enjoined. To his amazement, Hook signed him to beat the tom-tom, and slowly there came to Smee an understanding of the dreadful wickedness of the order. Probably never had this simple man admired Hook so much. Twice be Smeet upon the instrument, Smee beat upon the instrument, and then stopped to listen gleefully. The Tom-Tom, the miscreants heard Peter cry, an Indian victory! The doomed children answered with a cheer that was music to the black hearts above, and almost immediately they repeated their goodbyes to Peter. Well, this puzzled the pirates, but all their other feelings were swallowed by a base delight that the enemy were about to come up the trees. They smirked at each other and rubbed their hands rapidly and silently. Hook gave his orders. One man to each tree and the others to arrange themselves in a line two yards apart. And that's where we stop. For tonight because we're moving to chapter 13 next time this chapter is called do you believe in fairies Oof! they're about to come up out of the trees and the pirates are ready standing by scary stuff huh <laughs> that was fun yeah so chapter 13 next time on our uh, Monday night uh, stream. We are live three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, Saturdays. And uh, 
We hope you will join us. Thank you for liking and subscribing wherever you may be. Twitch.tv, Jay Sheldon, YouTube, and uh, I'm not wearing pants on Facebook Live. We truly, truly, truly appreciate all the follows and likes and shares. And now, of course, on our podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and more to come. So check us out there. Please give us a like, give us a listen, give us a subscribe, add us to your favorites, and uh, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, guys, uh, thanks again. Sorry we couldn't get Miko up here, but like I said, she's having a bit of an attitude. You know how Miko gets. (laughs) All right, that's it. Uh, I will see you again next time on Monday night. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I am Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night.